live from the Denver Press Club presents the topic of conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Press Club. I am Rob Scoggins. I am your host of the topic of conversation. We are big in a lot of countries. Over 40 countries were heard, uh, and we're very happy to, of that. Let me tell you about the countries that were heard in most. We want to welcome the United States of America, Indonesia, Belgium, Philippines, Mexico, and Turkey. Those are the ones we're heard in most and, and, and love us the most, but we're heard in over 40, and we're very, very happy. Um, we are here at the Denver Press Club every Wednesday night, and we're very, very happy to be here and uh, having a fun time every night that we're here and having different fun guests as our topic of conversation. Tonight is a, is a special night. We have a lady who is, is changing the face of how we treat people in the business world and, and how we treat millennials in the business world and just, and just each other you know, a, a, out there in the world. And a, a lot of great, uh, a great number of people in the audience tonight are, are friends and fans and sponsors and, and people who, are, are, who believe in this program. And I want to welcome to the show the author of If Not You Who, uh, Cracking the Code of Employee Disengagement. Which is sounds it sounds technical, but it's 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 not. Uh, it, it is it's a lot of fun to learn about that. Uh, and she's also a very interesting woman, and, and and lived and lived such a great life so far. Please welcome to the show and our topic of conversation tonight, Jill Christensen. How are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. What a, what a what a what a what a great crowd you brought tonight. Thank you. They're fun. They're good looking. They dress nice. Would you expect anything less? Well, they smell good. It's nice. <laughs> you know. Wasn't expecting that. Okay. <laughs> it is Colorado. No, okay. Um, are you are you um, are you from Colorado? No, I'm not. Where are you, where are you originally from? So, Tell us a little about yourself. So I was born in Staten Island, New York. Hey. But my father worked for IBM. Yeah, a lot of New Yorkers here. Yeah. So my dad worked for IBM, so we moved every five years. Okay. So I moved to Dallas, Texas, when I was five years old. Then I moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan, when I was eleven. <laughs> does IBM stand? Does IBM stand for International Business Network? International Business Machines. Machines. But in the yeah. '70s, it stood for "I've Been Moved." Oh yeah, yeah. because they moved oh, you so many so times. Many times sure. um, but I absolutely loved I it. They paid for it, right? They paid oh, for it exactly. Yeah. And um, you learn how to love change. Yeah. You yeah. learn how to make friends. Michigan was fun. Um, Michigan was cold. Yeah. Blustery. Yeah. Um, but Michigan was a great place to live. I yeah. loved growing up growing up in the Midwest. Is it high school? High school. High days? school, yes. So are you blue or are you green? Blue. Oh. Okay. Not green? No. Michigan State is just not the Spartans there or what it is. No, my sister point? went to Michigan. Okay, so she's a big blue. So I'm big blue. Big blue. Go go Wolverines. Go right? Wolverines, exactly. I mean they're an X Men. I mean that's freaking cool. <laughs> um when you when you okay in so Michigan days and then you came out here? No, you? I went to college in upstate New York. Okay. Cortland. Cortland, sure. We have some Finger Lakes people here, right? Don't we? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> then um, was recruited out of college into AT&T Public Relations in northern New Jersey. Yeah. S- spent 22 years in the telecom. The three people from Newark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, now that is a fallacy about New Jersey that I would like to clear up today. Okay, let's do it. So northern New Jersey is absolutely beautiful. There are 225 Fortune 500 companies in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Yeah. Um, lots of trees, deer running through your backyard. Newark, New Jersey is not a microcosm of New Jersey at all. It's not. It's a fabulous place. It's, it's a, a great airport. It's equestrian, yeah. um, a lot of horse racing. It's a beautiful country. Is it close to Summit, New Jersey? I lived in Summit, New yeah, Jersey Summit. for a few years. Yeah, Summit. My fraternity yes. brother was from Summit. So beautiful yeah. town. A great area. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Easy commute to New York. Sure. I don't know. It's. I have no idea. <laughs> if if go, you say so, wouldn't if it's an go easy back. commute, it's an easy commute. It's an easy commute. Okay. And then from, from that area? So I was in the telecommunications industry in the New York area for 22 years. Wow. And seven years ago, I woke up and I decided I didn't belong there. Did you do their answering machines? No. You have a great voice. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. I had a radio show in college. Okay. That, that, that doesn't help. <laughs> Does, <laughs> but okay. So you did all that. And then, and then and said for 22 years, you were in co- corporate IT. Corporate. Or phones. and Internal communications. Yeah. Um, decided seven years ago I didn't belong there. Wanted to live in a place that was more balanced. Were you or, there for 9-11? Yes, I was there for 9-11. As where, a matter where, of fact, where were you? I was living in Summit, New Jersey, wow. um, in a house on the top of a mountain so I could walk to the end of my street and see the plume. You could see it? From the end of my street, yes. Wow. And I, I knew a lot of people, not who passed in the incident, but were who were in the buildings, well, sure. who were affected by it. 
um, you know, I think everyone remembers where they were that day. Yeah. Yeah. Did that help you say, maybe I should leave the East Coast? No. What helped me leave the East Coast was I felt like a lot of people there um, didn't really live in balance. And their priorities were out of order. So they cared a lot about money only. And um, I think you can be happy and have money. Why do people in New York wear gray and black? I mean, does that have something to do with it too? I think... I mean, because that's a downer. I think it's um, black is a very stylish color, as Uh you know. And it's very easy for a woman... It's slimming. It's slimming. And it's very easy for a woman just to wear black. But my theory is, I think a lot of women wear black because they don't want to stand out. They want to blend in. Okay. I've I've thought that my entire life. So I won't wear I won't wear black to a black tie affair. You're uh, because what? every woman there is Do wearing they, black. Well they don't they don't allow you to wear red. We're red. We're red, we're blue. Sure. We're a color. Yeah. Yeah. I mean look at you tonight. I mean you're Thank all, you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank Nine you. Nine different colors somewhere there? Something like that. Yeah. And is that is something you've always done? When did you start not wearing black to a black tie affair? I've liked color my entire life. Since I was a little kid. Did you stop getting invited to black tie pairs? Not at all. Yeah. Because you stood out. <laughs> exactly. You, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. How long? You've been doing that for 10 years? Not going to the parties? I'm still trying to figure out how do you, how do you get away with black? it. Not wearing black? How do you get away with it? You just be yourself. They, don't, they let you in? Absolutely, they let you in. But all the men are wearing. The, all the men are dressed appropriately. We're all dressed in bow ties. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cummerbund, we can't we can wear, I mean, oh can I wear, if I wore an orange cummerbund, I think I can get away with that? Absolutely. Especially oh. in Denver. Oh, yeah. Especially in Denver. And so from there, from 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 being anti, I mean, for, for being original at the black tie events, then that that's what gave you the idea to come out here? No. So I just, I felt like I wanted more balance in my life. And I've always loved the mountains. I'm a big skier. Mm-hmm. Started skiing when I was three years old. And I wanted to be able to get in my car and drive to a ski resort. Well, there's other states that have that. Um, I've skied in many states and many countries, and I don't think there's anything that rivals skiing in Colorado. Wow. It's yeah, extraordinary you know, here. The people from Switzerland call this little Switzerland. They, they come here and they say, this looks like my home. And I was like, well, great. I never have to go to Switzerland. Absolutely. But you want to go to Switzerland. I do. Zermatt, Switzerland is fabulous. Yeah. It's they a, do have the little cut in the middle of Europe, don't they? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing ski town, but it's very dangerous. So when you ski in Europe, they sort of like just let the snow fall on the mountains. Yeah. And they don't put up signs, and you don't have trail maps. Well, you can't read Switzerland anyway. True. Swedish. <laughs> no. Scandinavian. Whatever. Yeah. True. Yeah. But it's very, um, it's dangerous. Dust in my dangerous, opinion. right? Dust yeah. dangerous. Yeah. yeah. You could ski off a cliff in two seconds flat. Wow. So it's better for the food, the wine, um, the watches. You still ski? Yeah, I love to ski. Every day. I mean, every season? Every season. And what's your mountain? What do you go? Um, believe it or not, I like Keystone and A Basin. Okay. Yeah. They stay open a little. I mean, the A Basin's open forever. Exactly. They that's what I love about June. it. And that's where the hardcore skiers ski. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a veil girl, no. believe it or not. What's, no. a, what's a veil girl? A veil girl is... She dresses up in a little bunny suit and goes... Well, yeah, they, there are a lot of people there who don't ski. Hi, look at me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just chic to be in veil. Is it? You know, it costs $30 to park your car. What? It costs $30 to park your car at the base it of veil. It costs less at Disney to park your car. I know. Wow. Um, it's incredibly crowded. Yeah. And um, it's 45 minutes further. So yeah. to me, it's not worth it. Are you a snow bunny? No. No. No, I'm a hardcore, hardcore skier. Hardcore, downhill. Yeah. Get out of my way, mm-hmm. you slow little piece of... <laughs> what do you call people who are slow in skiing? Well, most of them stay on the bunny hills, the green hills. The bunny so, hills. So okay. I'm not around them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't go where I go. You use them as so, moguls, right? You're like, exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah. I usually don't have people who are in yeah. my way or around me. Because we talked about this. I'm an ex-ski yeah. racer. Right. And... Um, I think that never leaves you. Yeah, you were the agony of the feet on ABC, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have fallen yeah. in my life skiing, racing. What, what skis do you ski on? What, um, well, in the old days, I skied on 205s. Dina Star? Um, no, I skied on Rosignols. Rosignols. Racing skis. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a brand, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and our listeners might know that. They'll be like, oh, yeah. They will know that. Especially the ones in Indonesia. Exactly. Like, um, when you When you... So you came out here because mm-hmm. you, a love of the mountains, a yes. love of skiing, and a love of nature, and then boom, something hit you. I mean, when did it hit you to say, people don't get along in the workplace. People, people, people don't have fun anymore. I think I discovered was that. Was that New York? That had a lot it was New York. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I was very fortunate in my career. I always worked in the global corporate headquarters of the companies that I worked for. So it was AT&T, Lucent Technologies, and Avaya. So I was around the senior leadership team. 
okay. my entire career. CEOs, CFOs, CIOs, and EIOs. EIOs, exactly. <laughs> and they're just very, yeah. they tend to be very disconnected from the rank and file and from employees. Okay. And so I led global internal communications functions. So I was always responsible for writing for the executives. So it was my responsibility to um, counsel and guide these people and try to get them to bridge the gap between the senior leadership team and employees. And I have to tell you, in most instances, it was like pulling teeth. CEO stands for? Chief Executive Officer. COO. Chief Operating Officer. CIO. Chief Information Officer. FBI. Federal Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> well done. You're welcome. OOO. Is there an OOO? Office of? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. All these titles, all these alphabet names after you. They're called acronyms. Acronyms, yes. Um, the acronym <laughs> people, the people who live with acronyms behind their name. Yes. Are they, are they just so... Are they kind of like the one percenters? They're just so out of touch because they've never had without, or they, or they went from they went from their private school to a private university to a private company, and they don't know people. No, and I think this is the thing that fascinates me the most is because most people in corporate America who sit in the corner office, so your executives, they all started at the bottom, no. okay, and so they worked their way up through the ranks, and so at which at what point did they forget? what it was like to be a rank-and-file worker and to um, you know, feel disconnected from the senior leadership team. Probably when they got a different bathroom. I exactly. <laughs> I pee here, you pee there. Exactly. Right? And so it's an IPO. And leave little stools. Initial yeah. public yeah. offering. Only the audience <laughs> knows that joke. Yeah. So, you know, again, I never understood how they forget where they came from, what it was like, to be disconnected from senior leaders. And so I vowed that when I made it to the corner office, I was going to be an extraordinary supervisor. And um, I was going to always speak up and talk to my senior leaders and say, you know, we can't create a culture that disengages people. And we'll dive into the book mm -hmm. and a little bit more of its meaning in the second part of the show. But I, I want to get into the nitty gritty of this. This can translate into politics. Because I think this is what's wrong with Congress sometimes. Absolutely. Because they are the ones who have gone from private school to their Ivy League school, to straight to the hill. Mm -hmm. They have no connection. Absolutely. None no, whatsoever. No. And, then, and then some of them, don't even, some of them when they get there, don't even know what a caucus is. Exactly. Like, now, don't get, caucus? now, don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of the people who I worked with and even a lot of the people who run Fortune 500 companies, yeah. they don't necessarily go to Harvard and Wharton and those schools, but they are incredibly intelligent. Yeah. And I have a theory that people who are incredibly intelligent yeah. tend to um, be socially awkward and that they're not as good in a group of people, walking up to people who they don't know, and so they're not comfortable going into the cafeteria and talking to employees or walking the halls. And but my, my parents are okay with me saying this because I've said it to them to their faces. They both went to Emory University mm -hmm. in Atlanta, yes. and they, have, they are uh, very intelligent people. Uh, dad's a doctor and all that stuff, but they have no common sense. Exactly. Zero. That's my point. Zero common sense. Mm -hmm. Yet they have me. I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> genetics. It's um, no nature versus nurture. I was adopted, so it's okay. Yes, but um, but it's it's fascinating that 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 that, that is true. Sometimes people who are that intelligent, they learn from books, and that's what, how they associate themselves and everything. Mm -hmm. The common sense isn't there. Agreed. And how is that? Is it just the way humans are built? No. What I think happens in large corporations, um, you have shareholders. And, you know, at the end of the day, I always say this, and people think it's incredibly harsh, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. If you are a publicly held company, you exist for one reason, and that's a turn of profit for your shareholders. Okay. And so you don't think about your one-year plan, your five-year plan. You're thinking about your 90-day plan because mm -hmm. you're, you, the analysts on the street are looking for you to turn a number, and if you don't turn that number, your stock is going to plummet. Yet, yet your stock plummets, but the CEO gets a golden parachute. Absolutely. Mm. I can't explain that. We've okay. got that going on in And politics. a golden parachute, folks, those of you who are listening uh, outside of this room, a golden parachute is something that a, a CEO will, kind of like what they do in, in sports, if you, listen, if you watch sports, it's called a guarantee. Like, like a, a quarterback is guaranteed $13 million a year, and then they get bonuses on top of that. And if they don't make it to the playoffs or anything, they don't get that bonus. A golden parachute is something that a CEO, whether they make any money or not during their tenured plan, mm -hmm. uh, they get out with a, a ton of money, no matter what. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it hurts the stockholders. It doesn't matter if people get fired. It doesn't matter if people get pushed away. It doesn't matter if people hurt themselves. They lose their pension plans and or 
you know, we all talk about health insurance all the time. It's gone. And yet these guys and gals, it's not just men, it's women too, get out of these companies with tons of money. They and do. it's not fair. I agree. So also, and, and the nonprofits do it too. This could help nonprofits too, right? This could help nonprofits. This could help education. Yeah. This could help our government. All of them. Yes, because at the end of the day, leaders are leaders and people are people. And in most organizations, countries, um, businesses, you have a divide. It's, it's an us and then a them. And so this is how to bridge that gap. When you were thinking about this mm-hmm. and, and, and wanting to help, and you're in New York, and you're like, man, I, I got to get out of this, or I want to become this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be this anymore. D- did you have a dream? Did you have an epiphany? Did you, were you on a ski slope, and you know, you're listening to John Denver, and he's like, dude, you got to do this? You know? <laughs> no, I just woke up one day, and I had this overwhelming feeling that I don't belong here. When was that day? What year was that? It was in 2008. 2008. Mm-hmm. So not that long ago. No, seven years ago. So right when, the, almost right when the recession began. <laughs> exactly. You're like, and this I think, is so wrong. You know, you make an excellent point. There was a lot going on in the stock market, a lot going on mm-hmm. in business. Yeah. You know, being at work in those days wasn't fun. No. You know, they were laying off people by the hundreds of thousands of employees. Um, you know, the stock market wasn't doing well. People were losing their people homes. People were losing their homes, losing Gas their jobs. Gas prices were through the roof. Absolutely. Foreclosures. Yeah. The economy was in absolute turmoil. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie, The Big Shot, you got to see The Big Shot or read the book. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful movie. I will. Um, and, you know, very, very well mm-hmm. done and compelling about what happened in 2008 to 2011 mm-hmm. to our country. And we let it happen. And it's happening again. But um, going back to that, so 2008, when the recession hit and you realized, okay, this is wrong. Things are going wrong. People are, you know, upset. Mm-hmm. It You're... felt like a great time to reinvent myself because I love change. Okay. So I thought there's a lot of change going on. Um, so I really couldn't chart my course and hitch my wagon to what was going on because it was tumultuous. And so I thought I'm just going to break out and create my own path in life. And this was it. And this was it. So I thought in my head, where do I want to move? And Chicago, Seattle, and Denver came to mind. And I thought, but I'd really like to get in a car and go Wait, skiing. Wait, Seattle? Seattle, Chicago. Chicago, and Denver. Okay. Those are the three I, cities. I get, I get Denver and Seattle. But they came to mind. Chicago Chicago's mind? a great city. It is. Yeah. I love Chicago. But it's, it's very similar to New York. It's cold, and you can't get in your car and go to a great ski resort. You cannot. Which unless is Unless it's in Canada. Exactly. Yeah. And that's even a long ride. Yeah. And you have to have a passport now. Exactly. Ugh, yeah. So. So Seattle was another one. Seattle. Why? Love Seattle. It, Seattle is ocean meets beautiful redwood trees meets city. Meets, meets good seafood. Meets too. great seafood. And Seattle's best coffee. <clears throat> I don't and drink Starbucks. coffee. And Starbucks. And what? Don't drink coffee. Why not? I, I don't like the taste. It's delicious. <laughs> you don't drink coffee? No. Everybody in the crowd drinks coffee. I don't drink coffee. <laughs> well, folks, you can never... When, when you want to take Jill for coffee, she's not going to show up. <laughs> um, you have to take her for tea. You like tea? Love tea. Okay. So there you go. Green iced tea. You can take her for tea, you know? And, 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 and um, so Seattle was out. Seattle was out. Chicago was out. Yep. Denver wins. Denver wins. So I got on an airplane... And I called it my, do I belong in Denver trip? Came out here on my own, rented a car, DIA. I feel comfortable around business people. So I didn't book a hotel in downtown Denver. I booked a hotel in the tech center. Wow. And I stayed in a hotel in the tech center by myself. And I went to Del Frisco Steakhouse. Yeah. Like five nights that week. Because I went, ooh, to the con- went to the concierge my first night. I'm like, I, I love steak. Where should I go? They sent me to Del Frisco's. And to this day, it's my favorite restaurant in Denver. Wow. And, um, what if they would have sent you to Outback? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> We're in meat country, well, Rob. I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't have gone. Wouldn't have gone a Bloomin' Onion? No. No. It's, it's good, but... Well, sure. But it's not Del Frisco's. Back in the day, Del no. Frisco's, I mean, come on. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, how you doing? And then I was a tourist. Yeah. I went to Buffalo Bill's Grave. I toured the Molly Brown House. I went to Red Rocks. And I just spent a week just touring around Colorado, and I got back on the plane, and I knew that I belonged here. Okay. And so I set a goal that I would live here by September 30th, 2009. December 30th? 2009. That was my goal. Okay. So I gave myself a year. So we're, we're going in, we're leaving the tween year, we're going into the tween years. Yes. 10, 11, and 12. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that you said, okay, so, and then you did it. I did it. I made it by five days. Wow. Five days? Moved here on September 25th, 2009. Where did you stay? You shelter? Where did you stay? No. 
<laughs> Outback? No, I was fortunate. I had an extraordinary realtor, Kentwood. Yeah. And they, oh, fancy, yeah. they got to know me and they said, we will tell you where you need to live in Denver because I wanted to buy a house right out of the gate. Kentwood, because if I, was sell, if I was yeah. selling low, I was going to buy low. Yeah. Because people were like, well, Jill, you should rent. I'm like, I'm not renting. What if the market turns around? I mean, we're still, we're still in a recession then. I mean, it's still recession. 2008 to 2011. Oh, yeah, we 2011. Were. Absolutely. We're still recession. Yeah. So was it a buyer's market then? You it was to... absolutely a buyer's market. Yeah, whatever you want, right? Yeah. Sign the check. Thank you very much. Exactly. Right? Coming from New York, I mean, these prices out here are like, Mwah. But Denver, right? Denver was a lot more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Really? Even then. So I paid more for my house in Denver than I did for my townhouse in northern New Jersey. Wow. Yeah. Really? I was shocked. More? More. More. Now I have a much bigger house. Sure. Much bigger house, bigger place. Bigger place, but... But, but paid more here. Paid more. Wow. That was in 2010? 2009. Well, end but, of 2000. Yeah, but my property taxes there were $12,000 a year on yeah. a townhouse. Yeah. And, and here, here, they started at 1600 Not okay. anymore. Not anymore. No. It's fine now. Living in the city oh, is... Living in the city is expensive. It here. is expensive. But less than, New, less than New Jersey? Yes. Wow. That's shocking. Yeah, but it's convenient. Denver's a place to be now. It is. I mean, it's become... A, a huge destination for everybody. Absolutely. Well, U.S. News and World Report this yeah. week came out with the best place to live in the United States. Colorado Springs is number five. Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. I know. I was surprised. I think uh-huh. Austin. Austin. Houston and Seattle. Wow. Rank um, pull in two, three, and four. You know, uh, Louisville gets gets number one a lot. Yeah, for retirees. Yeah. It gets yep. a lot. Four, <laughs> it does. Fort four Collins does it's the, too. It's the number one. It's the number one city for people to retire. If you want to grow, Can you imagine old living somewhere? there. No. Well, I mean, now I, the newlywed, newly I mean, dead. You know, you're, no, you're vibrant. You're young. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Louisville, Louisville, the home of the newlywed and nearly dead. All right. Uh, no, um, I, 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 no, I like, I like living in Golden. I like Golden. A Golden's lot. beautiful. Golden's fun. It's a small town, big town feel, but small town, you know, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. So you came here, and you recreated yourself. That that takes guts, and you did it alone. Did it alone. No bo- No boo. No boo. No kids. No kids. No cats. Cats. No, you had cats. Two Maine Coon cats. Two Maine Coon cats. Yeah. No wow. one could talk back to me. Put my car. Were they, con- were they confused when they got out here? No, they could loved they it. Could they breathe? <laughs> I mean, could they breathe? They loved it. They did? Yeah. Are they dead? Yes. <laughs> yes, they are dead, Rob. All right. <laughs> Two dead Maine Coon cats. Yeah. But you have new they're, ones, they're right? They're in my house, you have though. New ones they're in my house. They're what? I had them cremated uh-huh. and put in a um, velvet bag. What? I had them cremated. You're one of those owners, aren't you? Yeah, and they're in a, they were in separate velvet bags, but they were litter mates. So I thought, well, let me just put them, because I'm like OCD, yeah. and I didn't want all these things in my house. Yeah. So I put them into a velvet bag together. together okay. Because they're litter mates. Well, of course. And they're in my closet. Born together, die together. Exactly. Yeah. They're in your wet? My closet. What? what? So you know people Wait, have, in your closet in your home? Yeah. What? So you know people, a lot of people Are you going to make home. brownies out of them? What do you do? <laughs> You know how people have a hope chest? Cool am I dating, brownies. <laughs> am, the am I dating myself? Uh, no. You know, like a big wooden chest where you put all your memorabilia? Sure. Okay, I don't... Yeah, we I, all, don't, I think we all do that. Okay, I don't like stuff. So I have a box. Okay. So it's, it's about 18 inches by 18 inches, and I put all of my sentimental things in that box. And they're there? And they're in What there. are their names? Their names were Aspen and Jaws. Aspen and Jaws. Do, and, ready? Do, so what, I what are the it. new one's names? The new one's names are Thunder and Chewbacca. And do they know they're going to end up in a drawer later in their life? In a hope chest? Probably. Do they? They love me. <laughs> okay. Now, you know everybody who's, who's going to hear this <laughs> interview and anybody in the audience who comes over to your house. Is going to want to see my velvet pouch? Have, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> they're going to want to see it. Do, That's a great well, Halloween thing. You should have that. Do you have a velvet pouch with your pets in it? No. Where are your where are your dead pets? Wherever dead pets go. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had that many pets. I haven't had that many pets in my life. I've, I'm a tra- I've been. I haven't had a career that's allowed me to. Have, I have a cat now. Mm-hmm. My cat's name is Radio. Big black moon. Uh, yep. uh, Maine coon. Um, no, he's not a Maine coon. He's a Bombay cat. Bombay. But but no, I don't. I you know when they die, they die. Do you want to get cremated or buried? Who? You. Me. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, where are you going to put me? Am I going to be in a, <laughs> put me in a vase? <laughs> be in the closet with the rest of your friends? No. Um, I'd probably cremated. Yeah. 
Me too. Probably, probably cremated. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where, well, this this has gone that way. Um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> so you you came here with the cats. Came here and with they the were cats. alive. They were definitely alive. Yes. Then, right. Okay. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't in a pouch. And <laughs> and then when you came to, I mean, I mean, obviously the air here is thinner. The the life here is a little bit more uh, lush than New than New York City and northern and northern New Jersey, meaning just space. I mean, there's room. I mean, Absolutely. You're leaving. You're leaving a. You're leaving a town of 17 million, and coming to a town, I mean, coming to a state was seven million. It was I mean, a, It was a tough adjustment. And you're leaving a very large state on the East Coast. I don't know the number. I think it's like 21. Coming to the eighth largest state in the union. Mm-hmm. We are massive out here. Lots of land. Mm-hmm. You can live anywhere. And you chose city of Denver. Absolutely. When you, when you decided to write this book and decided to say, hey. I want to help these people because I have that, I have that um, New York state of mind to bring it here mm-hmm. to the Colorado, I call it the Colorado casual state of mind. That must have been hard because you, I mean, New Yorkers are fast talking, fast moving, things move, boom, boom, boom. Out here we go, hey, how you doing? Exactly. You want to talk about <laughs> something? I. <laughs> So and you're like, you're done. I mean, you're sentenced. You're like, exactly. okay, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. So I launched my own business when I moved here. And interestingly enough, even though there were a lot of small and medium-sized businesses in Denver, all the companies that hired me were the big firms. Okay. Yeah, the big they, Fortune 500 companies. Well, there you go. And that wasn't the plan, but it's, it's where I feel at home. And I think they saw my experience and they knew that I would fit in there. So, um, but that's, it's a much more difficult place to recreate a culture. Uh-huh. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the culture clash between New York and Colorado. And we're also going to get dive into this book that's helping people recreate their lives in the business world. This is the Topic of Conversation. I'm Rob Scoggins, your host, and we'll be back right after the break. Thanks. Consider joining the Denver Press Club, which offers a relaxing atmosphere of camaraderie and creativity and serves as the hub for Denver's media, public relations, and communications community. It's the nation's oldest press club, with the first organized meeting held in 1867, and with the club making its home at 1330 Glenarm Place since 1925. Please visit our website at denverpressclub.org to find out all the great things that are happening throughout the week, month, and year. We're open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Come by and see us. I am Rob Scoggins, your host of the Topic Conversation. We are live right here in Denver, Colorado at the Denver Press Club, and we are so happy to be here every Wednesday night. So if you're in the Denver metro area and you'd like to come down and see us, we are here from 6 to 8 o'clock, and we'd love for you to have uh, have you as part of the studio audience right here. It's burger night every night and all this good stuff, and and we, we are here with the author and um, businesswoman and uh, everything she does in the world of helping um, helping people. She's written this wonderful book that comes out in a few weeks. It's not even out yet, uh, but a big book launch uh, soon. In a couple of weeks at the, uh, at the very nice Four Seasons, ooh la la, if not you, who, if not you, who, cracking the code of employee disengagement. Uh, welcome back to the show, Jill Christensen. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. So I have exciting yeah. news. Yeah. My book hit Amazon this week. Ooh. Yeah. Hit it or well, it, on it? it landed there. Nice. Yeah. How's it going? It's going Is great. Is it going to be digital too? Guess what? Guess what? So I go, went and saw it. Uh-huh. They, it's 10% off already. Ooh. Well... That's okay. They make those decisions. Of course. Yeah. Well, they I, have I was annoyed. Were you? Yeah, very. <laughs> well, it is Amazon. It, true. It's the Walmart online. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. They can. They really they can. They could sell it for 99 cents if they wanted they to. They could, you know, but just that they're not, right? No. What's it going for right now? The list price is $19.95. Amazon has it listed for $17.95. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's some cash. That's nice. You brought <laughs> cookies for everybody. Yes, I did. You did. Why? Because I was at the press club for the first time a week ago, and this place reminded me of um, Franklin Roosevelt's fireside chat. So, you know, as many of you know, he started a radio show um, to the American public. He was the first president who ever did that because he thought it was important to communicate with the people. And, you know, any leader who knows the importance of open and honest communication, it's in my book. It's critical. Um, I like. And so I did some research this week, and his favorite food, 
cookies. Cookies. And so I made. Is it this type of cookie? Well, no. He j- no. he just said cookies. Okay. And so I made my homemade butter cookie recipe oh. for you and for everyone in the audience. Well, in that's honor, what I need. Look at me. I'll. <laughs> yeah. In honor of the fireside chats and wonderful. FDR. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Because I know you love presidents. Oh yeah, right? I love president. Presidential yeah. presidential history is is a huge part of my life, mm-hmm. and so are cookies. So well done. Um, and so everybody, help yourself to the cookies. Absolutely. You know, pass them around. That's that's lovely. There's a Thank tablespoon you. of butter in each one. Oh, and a and a teaspoon and a teaspoon of sugar helps the medicine go down. Um, so have a vodka and a cookie, <laughs> or have a zinc tea and a cookie, right? Why not? Um, you you wrote a book. Um, yes, you are I did. changing the way. Is it is it because it, I have to ask this straightforward, just straightforward? If and I offend, if I offend a generation, I'm sorry. But the millennials, um, mm-hmm. we are in the they are in the high tech. They're the high tech. They're high tech. They've never known without a computer in front of their face. They've never known not getting the information within seconds, mm-hmm. um, as long as Google is correct or Wikipedia is right. Um, is it is it we've lost touch, or is it they they are so they are their 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 life moves so fast, and and the generation behind them and, and in front of them and. No. It's moving so slow. What's different about the millennials, Rob, is they have the courage to speak up. Okay. And so a lot of generations before them, they were unhappy at work, but they just didn't say anything about it. You know, it was very much about work there for 30 years, get the pension plan, get the gold watch, you know, right off into the sunset. Um, you know, and if you think about, if I think about my generation, you know, my dad um, was very much conservative yeah. and stayed with the company for, he stayed with IBM for 33 years. He thought I was absolutely crazy moving here and launching my own business. Um, But the millennials aren't like that. They're different. And so, you know, and that's what I absolutely love about the millennials. They know what they want and they will tell you what they want. And if their personal values are not aligned with your company's values, or if you have a crappy culture, they will quit on you. They will. Absolutely. No question. And And the best part is though, they'll tell you in advance, I'm going to quit on you. Do people stay at their jobs for more security because obviously, there, uh, you, you, you have a, a, a percentage in here. How many people are, are not happy at their job? So the Gallup organization um, says that 70% of American workers yeah. are disengaged, okay. which means they basically sleepwalk through their day and put in time but no discretionary effort, passion, or energy into their work. Okay. So basically, they're just bored. They're bored. Yeah. And they're doing what they have to do to get by. And they eat their lunch when they're supposed to eat their lunch. They do their thing. When they come in late. They leave early. Um, amazing. We're in March. Yeah. $2 billion in March is, um, goes out the window in lost productivity because 60 million American workers sit on their computer playing March Madness basketball brackets. What? Absolutely. The brackets. The brackets. And half of them don't even know what teams they are. Right? Exactly. $2 billion in $2 lost productivity. Billion. billion wow. In March. But that all goes to gambling, right? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it goes somewhere. The the that's incredible. That's an incredible stat. Yes, the the millennials and and mm-hmm. do, do we have a date on them? Do we are they nineteen ninety to? They are nineteen eighty uh-huh. to two thousand. Okay, and and they are not afraid to say, "I'm sorry, I, I can't be this." The, they that, don't even say they're sorry. But it, it, the, then then there's the, then there's the the Y generation, the X generation, the mm-hmm. baby boomers, the greatest generation. When did it? When did it click? I mean, the, I mean, the, the, I'm I'm part of the X generation. I'm, I'm I've you know I've I've had careers. I've had I've I've been a contract employee mm-hmm. um, most of my life. But I'm not afraid to to say okay, I'm, I'm I gotta stop this and go over here. Exactly, but you're not of the norm. Okay, but I'm sure you knew that. Well, my mom says <laughs> I, my mom does say I'm special. <laughs> so I mean, most people in life don't lack self confidence. They live in fear. Okay. And it's much easier to stay at a job, especially if you're being paid well, even if you don't like the environment, than it is to risk the unknown or to change. Um, but that's what makes life so exciting. I agree. We can learn a lot from millennials. We can. It's okay to it's okay to work somewhere for five years and say, "Hey, I'm going to try something else." Exactly. Because life is short. Most people work in our culture from what age twenty to sixty-five, yes. maybe seventy if they're lucky. But most people don't like change and they mm-hmm. like the comfort of what they know. Mm-hmm. And so they would rather stay with something that they know than risk the unknown, which in, in my opinion is why so many people stay in unhappy marriages. Oh, wow. Because of financial convenience? Or? It's just easier to stay with what I know, even though I might not be happy and it's not exciting. I know what I have and it's easier than venturing off and finding something new. 
But see, I like different things for breakfast. I like French toast. <laughs> Sometimes I'll have a pancake because the word cake's in it. And, you know, I like bacon and sausage. I mean, we, 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 we wake up and put different things in our body. Why don't we wake up and try different things? I've never, I don't know what life is like. And that's why this interview was, I knew it was going to be a little difficult for me because I don't live in that world. Mm -hmm. I don't live in the... You're doing great. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't live in the wake up, go there, come back. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that circle. Exactly. But most people do, and they like it. Right. They're comfortable with it. And, I, and, and I'm going to use I mean, Ron Howard's movie, Parents. Do you mm -hmm. remember Parenthood? Yes, I do. I'm going to use this metaphor from it. Grandma knew it. Grandma was perfect. Some people like the carousel. Some people like it. Some people like this carousel. This most, is my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the carousel of life. Most people like the carousel. Right. But people like me, people in the audience, people like you, people like Matt and Will and Mariah and Mark and everybody here, we like the roller coasters. Love the roller coasters. I like the roller coasters. The highs, the lows. Yeah, the Absolutely. speed, the yeah, funness, the circles, the sickness. Absolutely. You know, the fact I can't fit in one anymore, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sir, you can't, you can't stay here. Where's the plus size seats, damn it? Um, no. <laughs> The, 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 but some people like the roller coaster. Millennials like the roller coaster. They like the roller coaster, absolutely. But the baby boomers, no. X generation, no. Y generation, no. Nope. They were raised to conform. Yeah. I mean, for the I most mean, part. I mean, there's exceptions. There are exceptions. There's exceptions, and I'm sure you've met exceptions. Exactly. You've, you've, teach, you've taught exceptions. I you've, have, but for the most part, 10% of people in the world are high performers, yeah. love change, yeah. embrace. Yeah. They don't live in fear. They have right. a ton of self-confidence. Right. 10%. Right. It's a very small number. Well, that's, see, that's why I... Yeah, go ahead. 80% are in the mediocre to average performance category. They don't choose to live big. They choose to live like a monotone. And then 10% are low performers on performance improvement plans, in jail, on drugs, etc. So those are the people in our society who you can just basically write off. Right. And see, that's why I don't like skiing. <laughs> because skiing to me, you go to A Basin, you look at the mountain, you, drive a, you, you ride a 20-minute ride, which is really cold, and then you have to get down. And you're like, uh-huh. And, and then you do it again, and you expect something different. And it is this, different. It can be different every time. It's how, exciting. How, how is that mountain different every time? Because you, you knock somebody else over every time? <laughs> because you can ski through the trees, you can ski through the moguls, you can ski faster or slower. You can hit somebody? You could hit somebody. Yeah. But when you ski really fast and your skis chatter, yeah. that's exciting. Because you know if you fall, you could, you're really going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever skydived? Yeah. So I've, I've, I've parasailed, skydived. Yeah. Don't you love that? Bungee jumped? Yeah. Don't like skiing. Okay. Yeah. I, just, I, like, I like watching people ski. And so you're a snow bunny. No, I'm more of a no. <laughs> I'm more of a snow fox, but that's okay. Um, or most people call me a panda <laughs> because of my size. No, I, I like watching it because it, skiing to me is like NASCAR. I hope they wreck. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I'm sitting at the clubhouse going, God, I hope they fall. No, but. In, in the, in the, in the, and we're, and we're coming full circle here in the, in the parallels of skiing and, and your book. Um, they do fall down. Millennials are okay falling down because they can get back up. And they don't say, oh, shucks, I'm hurt. They say, forget it. I'm moving on. You're, you, it's been fun. Exactly. Thank you so much, but I'm moving on. But if you think about the technology parallels, Rob, yeah. their, technolo their, the, their technological world is changing yeah. at, at a rapid pace. And so they're used, they're used to that. They're used to the next greatest thing. You know, they're watching leaders like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs yeah. speak out. Yeah. You know, unlike, they're watching a businessman run for president. We haven't had that. You know, unlike leaders 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago yeah. that we grew up with. Now, I know this isn't your full book. I know this is just a, a, proof, a, a, copy. a proof copy. And I read it, and it, it's great. It's fun. Thank and you. It, and, it, and it, it, it got to me. But the way the way Howdy. I do the way I I'm gonna am gonna tell you the way I got the what I got out of it is I think and I, I don't know if, if the audience or half the audience have read it or have seen it or or, or seen clips the millennials are like bees to me okay and, and and this is what I got out of it the millennials are like humming like 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 what do they call the will help me like a, like no bees like honeybees thank you honeybees they're like honeybees because they take they they're like honeybees they go 
And they, they flutter their butts and go, ooh, this is fun. Okay, okay, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to go back. And I'm going to go back. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell people I'm having a great time. They bring people and they, they, uh, they remind me of honeybees because they're, they're pollinating everything because <laughs> they, they go there, they have fun, they, they hang out with the flower, get what they want, leave, go to another flower. Does that make sense? Yes, they do. Yeah. And they're having fun. They're, they're happy. And they're happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Google or Pixar or, or any of these wonderful companies that are run by you know, people who get it. Um, they have fun. They do have fun. You know, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Intern with, um, with, with um, uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Wilson. No, I have not. It, it's great. It's a fun, fun movie. Uh, De not De Niro. Yeah, that's, that's the other one. That's, what's the other one? What's the other one with the guy? Google. They go to Google. Internship. Yeah, okay. They're both intern, internship, whatever. Those movies, they're a lot of fun because they show how millennials treat their staff. Mm -hmm. When did you realize? Did you, have, did you have to interview millennials? Did you talk to them? Did you go to them? How did you find out about all no, this? No, because all you have to do is go into the news media and there are articles every single day about, the, about millennials um, to help leaders understand how different this generation is from any generation that ever came before them. But there's not a lot of them. Rob, by 2020, millennials yeah. will make up 50% of the workforce. Wow. And so that's a huge reason why I wrote my book. Yeah. Because leaders, if you think you have issues with retention today, oh boy. you ain't seen nothing yet. Right. Because you're, you're, you still have people in your rank and file who, for the most part, don't speak up, mm -hmm. don't have a lot of self-confidence, kind of live in fear. Still wear stockings. <laughs> oh, sorry. You know, embrace, they, they, they're a place where they, they've determined they're going to stay regardless of whether or not they're happy. Mm -hmm. And senior leaders and companies bank on that. They do. Yeah. They know you're not going to leave. They want you. What? They don't want you to leave. They don't encourage you to, to go and... Well, when they're having incredible financial difficulties, yeah. I mean, the best way to get your numbers in line um, is to eliminate people. Wow. Get rid of your SG&A expenses. I mean, that's how you... SG&A? Salary... Something. Salary grade and administration. Okay. That's your people costs. Wow. So you want to have an impact on your bottom line instantly, you lay off people. Okay. That's why people are numbers. Huh. And, and that's, that's the way what, they see them. That's the way... Uh, that is... They that, won't tell you that. If that is absolutely the way they see them. Everyone just a, is just a number. Just a number. In a company. Wow. So... The millennials, mm -hmm. what do they get that we don't get, that, that the people who don't speak up get? Is it generational, the way they were raised, the, the attitude? The... Yeah, I think they care more about, this might sound odd, their happiness. No, that's not odd. I think they put a lot of, but I mean, I was raised, my parents raised me, the most important thing in life is to be happy. Yeah. So I have that mindset, which I think is why I've made a lot of the choices that I have. Sure. Um, but I know a lot of people aren't raised that way, and they're raised, you know, get married, go to college, white picket fence, 2.5 kids, you know, the house with the yard. But now everybody, now everybody wants the YouTube channel. They want to yeah. create an app. They want to be a star. They want to be followed Now they do, on but all Twitter. the... Yeah, but now all the generations before them didn't want that. Okay. Okay? Yeah. But, but these kids are completely different. Completely. I don't think there's a... When I think about the generations that I, that I talk about in my book, you know, you have modest changes between the generations. I think this is the biggest leap we've ever made. And I think it is going to blindside companies. It's going to blindside the American political system. And we're seeing that today. People just aren't putting up with it anymore. Jill, how, how did, why, how, I mean, who, you did this. I mean, who else is doing this? Who else is helping you? Who else has got this idea that you're doing? Um, I have not met another employee engagement expert yet. Okay. Um, which is fascinating to me because regardless of where I go, I could be in the food store and somebody could ask me what I do. I could be at a bar at happy hour. I could be having dinner um, in another city. And when I tell people what I do, the response is always the same. Either I hate my job, my wife hates their job, I have a best friend who hates their job, or um, you know, I'm, I'm a supervisor and I don't know how to manage my people. I know my, my team's unhappy. So this is an issue that is of epidemic proportions in our world. And you call yourself a what? What is that term you use? Employee engagement expert. Employee engagement expert. Yes. So, okay. so I'm an expert at helping you re-engage your disengaged workers. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the reason that's so important is because when your workers are disengaged, they give you scraps. Of course. Okay. So employees who are engaged give you blood, sweat, and tears. And cookies. 
and cookies. Yeah. And um, you know why that's so important is there is a um, direct correlation between employee engagement and profitable revenue growth. Okay. And this is how you sell it to the senior leadership team. So when you, yeah. So when you show them, because this is what they care about. Senior leaders like data. They like money. They like numbers. Because as we talked about earlier, they're in business to turn a profit for their shareholder. Let's talk about chapter one real quick. The truth. The truth. The truth. I love that, Rob. Yeah, just the truth. I always speak the truth. Yeah. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. Sure it does. How about you? All the time. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. I, I have a filter, and I do have tactfulness, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just say it. But doesn't it feel good to speak yeah, the truth? it does. I agree. It does. I usually do it through humor, because then it's, it's, it's not, no one knows what's going on but me. I'm like, <laughs> I do guy. Um, but sometimes, I, you know, I'll, I'll speak the truth through humor. And, and people like that. I mean, people love to laugh and have fun. Yeah, millennials speak the truth. What do you mean by that? What do you, does what is in 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 this chapter? What is so? The well, truth? well, I have call outs in my book, and for most, there are some authors in the in the room. You know, that's basically it's a square in your book where you talk about what you think are some of the most important lessons. And I decided to call those call outs the truth, because I believe that being an open, honest in life and facing the truth is critical. Because if you keep sweeping things under the rug, you're never going to fix your issues. And that's what a lot of senior leaders and a lot of companies do. They just keep thinking, well, we have a lot of people here who might not be happy, but we're going to bank on the fact that they're not going to muster up the self-confidence and courage to leave. So we're just going to continue treating them the way we've always treated them. And they're probably not going to go anywhere. And so it's all good. What is the average lifespan of a senior leader at, at these big companies? I think the average lifespan is approximately seven years. Seven years. But then they just go to a different big company. Of course, yeah. They just keep going. They keep moving. Exactly. Just like they fo- get football coaches. Yeah, and, they're recycled. Yeah, football coaches in the, in the mm-hmm. world of sports. Sure. Because once you've worked at that level, yeah. um, you know, you learn a lot. And you are... And you're connected. You're very well connected. And mm-hmm. um, once you've been a CEO in one company, it's much easier to become a CEO in another company, even in a different even industry. Even you failed? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Because... You know, they, they, they say that many times it's not that they failed because they're incredibly narcissistic for the most part. They have very big egos. Yeah. They tend to blame it on market conditions or what's going on in their tumultuous industry. Um, they blame the economy. Mm-hmm. They blame customers. And they blame workers. They blame more. No, it's, it's interesting. They really never think about their workers, which mm. is fascinating to me. Really? Yeah. They, it's never, they never blame the workers because the workers really aren't a part of um, their landscape. So even though employees are their greatest asset, they are so focused on the bottom line and the numbers that they need to turn for their board, the shareholders, and the industry analysts, that that's where their entire focus is, which is why all of this gets left in their rearview mirror. You're about to change the way the business world thinks. Absolutely. And we got got you first. You got me first, yeah. So here's... Here's the ironic part, Rob. Yeah. So senior leaders own employee engagement and they own culture in reality, but they don't do anything about it. They outsource it to HR. Okay. Okay. So they, mm-hmm. they hear the word employee, they hear the word people, and they're like, oh, we have a, we have a function who handles that. A function? Yeah. Not a human. A, a function. A business unit, a division. Oh. You know, I have people who handle that. Okay. It's human resources. Right. Who? And, you know, human resources, they don't own culture. No. The fact of the matter is your senior leadership team sets the tone for your company. Culture is how we do things here. When did this disease happen in the world of business? This disease has been around for decades. So the Gallup organization conducted the first state of the American workforce survey 30 years ago. And at that point, 70% of American workers were disengaged. They just 70%? 70% 30 years ago. They just conducted the survey again this past fall. Zero progress has been made, despite the fact that billions of dollars has been spent in the United States on employee engagement, and despite the fact that 87% of C-suite executives say that they understand that employee disengagement poses a big threat to their bottom line. And this all happened during the 80s when we were in a a business boom, the 90s when it was dot-com boom, pre-recession when everybody was buying homes they couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. This all happened when people were happy, or should have been happy, Absolutely, but but they weren't. They weren't, because what hasn't changed is leaders focus on the bottom line. Okay. What they forget, and what I don't understand, because I started at the bottom and, and moved up through companies, um, 
is that your employees are your greatest asset. Mm. You know, if you don't have an extraordinary workforce, you have nothing. And it's interesting because senior leaders tend to think that customers are their most important asset. But the truth of the matter is that customers will never love your company until your employees love it first. Right. And employees will never love your company if you have a crappy culture. Wow. And, and, and it seems like, it seems like Google, Google gets it right. It seems like uh, John Lasseter and Pixar get it right. Yep. It seems like Disney gets it right. Southwest Airlines gets it right. There's, are, there are companies out there who get it right. Zappos gets it right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We have some the container store gets it right. Yeah, you have some very progressive yeah. leaders. Right. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go ahead. No, you, you have some very progressive leaders and some very old school leaders, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with age. I think I meant more Disney Studios, like the, like the Marvel comic, uh, mm -hmm. their, their, their film side, maybe not their theme park side. Campbell's Soup gets it right. Yeah, okay. Now, you, talk, you also talk a little bit about uh, getting the right person in every chair and communication as being you know, key, key, key uh, things to surround yourself with. Do you think every leader, every business leader, or every CEO, or whatever you want to call them, him or her, the best ones surround themselves with people who are smarter than them? They absolutely do. No question. 100%. So the smartest thing to do, in my opinion, when you're building a leadership team, yeah. is to figure out what your strengths are, figure out what your development areas are. I don't like to call them weaknesses, and neither do they. Um, and then you find people who possess those skills that you do not possess. You surround yourself with those people, and then you have the courage and the confidence to listen to them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And is because that then, then is you have a full easy? team. No, it's not that easy for a lot of people. Okay. Do you think it's because a lot of the CEOs, some of them, are introverts? Mm -hmm. I think it has more to do with the fact that a lot of CEOs are incredibly intelligent, and so they think they have all the right answers. So no, no common sense yeah. once again. And they're also, again, incredibly, they're paid very, very well. Insanely well. Insanely well. Um, they tend to have very big egos. Yeah. And that's where their focus lies. I mean, some of these people make $100,000 a day. Yes. That's, yeah, a day. Mm -hmm. that's and more, that's more and than, forget about if you have a spinoff and there are yeah. stock options and you, there's an IPO involved. Yeah. It's insane. But yet they, they, they can't help the kids or anybody uh, get better. They can. They choose not to. So how are you going to change the world? How is, what do you, you've already done a, I think you've already done a workshop. You've already done a. Yeah, I spoke yesterday to yeah. um, the largest HR organization in the world. Um, it's called the Society of Human Resources Management, SHRM. Yeah, yeah. And, um, How'd that go? It was extraordinary. Really? Yeah, Anne was there. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, it was a fabulous event and um, received a lot of calls today Good. from people um, working for companies with cultures that are dysfunctional um, who need my help. So that will be um, fascinating to work on. So you do go into these companies and, 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 and just kind of... Yeah, so, so what I do is I have a keynote speech or I have a 90-minute workshop, okay. and my goal there is you to got, educate yeah. you, and I have my book, yeah. about employee engagement, and really get you excited and inspired to fix your culture. That's great. And then my theory is, um, even though I talked to you about my four-step process in both of those, um, in either the speech or the workshop, that you're going to need help from someone who's been in this environment for 28 years and who knows how to do it. And so what I do then is I go into a company for a full day session and I teach you how to fish. So we roll up our sleeves and you walk out with a 40-page workbook and an action plan and you know step by step exactly what to do, how to reinvent your culture. Um, I talk to you about all the partners who you need to get on board. Senior leadership team is number one. The surveys that you need to conduct, how you need to hold supervisors accountable. Um, and then I stay alongside of that company for the next year. And we have a follow-up meeting um, for an hour to 90 minutes every month for a year to make sure you're on track, um, to make course corrections, and to celebrate your successes. How long did it take you to come up with this, this, this concept? I mean, it is... I absolutely... That was my... That, what's in this 2008 book to... Is, no, that was 28 years in the business world. Wow. And so when I worked at Avaya, um, I was the head of their global internal communications function. Okay. So I was writing for the CEO... And um, he came to me because we had 50% approval rating on our culture. And um, you could just, you could feel it in the halls, Rob. I mean, there was no energy. Um, you know, the company wasn't making its numbers. I mean, it was just, it was a Everybody bad, wearing gray and black. Every, exactly. Well, we were in New yeah. Jersey, so that was expected. Yeah, well, there it there. is. Isn't it, um, could, could, you, could you add that to it, the way people dress and bright colors? 
I talked to I talked to this about a different show. You know, when you go to the children's hospital, you want to get sick at a children's hospital as an adult because it's colorful and everybody's happy and want to help. You go to some of the other hospitals that are supposed to help you, they're all wearing dark clothes and don't really want to be there. So you're advocating for dress codes. Yes. I'll, yeah. I'll buy into that. Yeah, I think dress codes will help. I think wearing <laughs> bright I think wearing bright colors will help. It helps me. I think it helps everybody, yeah. Don't you? Absolutely. So how long is it going to take for you to spread this around the United States of America? And, and then after that, I mean... Not long. It's a part of the reason why that I became a consultant and stopped working for a company. Because what I found is when I was an employee at a company, I was only fixing one culture at a time. And I have a goal to fix every single dysfunctional culture in this world. Oh. And there's something wow. that I know. I have hundreds of millions of people on my side. So the Middle East better look out. Absolutely. Okay. Because... Um, it's fascinating. I have a um, page on my website that says I'm a miserable worker. So at the top of my website, it says, who are you? I'm a senior leader. I'm an HR. I'm a supervisor. One of my categories says miserable worker. That is the most clicked on category on my website. And so I have miserable employees coming to my website on a daily basis and filling out this form and saying, Jill, I want to talk to you and handing over their cultures and their HR people's names mm -hmm. in droves. Wow. That's because they, they have a vested interest. Yeah. And so when I started going in the leadership route and going to networking events where I was meeting with CEOs and senior leaders and talking to them about what I did, the first thing they would say to me is, let me give you my HR person's name. Wow. And so I started to realize, even though I always knew this, that mm -hmm. they don't get it no. and they're not my in. Okay. My in is the HR people. And more importantly, what I'm starting to find out is those employees who are unhappy and who are working in dysfunctional cultures and have a vested interest in turning their environment around. This is huge. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna hit the you're gonna hit the United States by storm. Uh, one last thing: uh, mm -hmm. if not you, who? How, how did you come up with the title? Why, so I why? came up with the title um, because I want leaders to know the truth. And the truth is, if you are not going to do this, who is? So this is this is a, this is a quote for the leaders. Yeah, this is a book for leaders. This is a quote. This is a quote for them. If not if you, if not you, who? who? Okay. If you're not going to turn around your culture and engage your employees and start treating them like the most valuable asset they are, nobody else is. Yeah. <laughs> is it okay for the senior leaders to hug their employees? Yes. Do you think they should? As long as it's not inappropriate yeah, touching, okay. absolutely. Okay. So I talk about that in I talk about that in one of my chapters. You do. Um, I think one of the biggest issues we have in business today is that leaders bring their heart, their head to work. Excuse me, they don't bring their heart. Right. And you know the fact of the matter is, if you are going to re-engage a workforce and really connect, if you're going to connect with another human being, you don't come to the table and just bring your heart. Excuse me, just bring your head. You bring your head, your heart, you bring it all. And so senior leaders are taught that if you bring your heart to work, it's soft, it's weak, and so they leave their heart at the door. Wow. And unfortunately, that is doing nothing to create a culture that employs love, where they can soar, so your company can soar. You're about to make the United States business world a happier place to be in. I agree. You're Absolutely. We cannot wait. We cannot... Uh... I know, I know the listeners and the people in the audience cannot wait to see this happen, this transformation of, of all these little, little slugs walking around, becoming, and before long they'll become great butterflies. So we're going we're gonna to see this happen in the front of our eyes, and it's going to happen where? Right here in Denver, Colorado. It's going to start right here. Absolutely. Where so many cool things have started. I mean, I mean we, we have so many cool things that have started mm -hmm. here. Old Chicago, yeah. Smashburger, uh, Noodles & Company. Jill Christensen. I mean, are you kidding me? Thank you. So we are so happy to have you on the show. How can people find you if they want to get in touch with you, if they hear the interview and then they say, man, I, we need this in my culture. We need this in my world. How can they find you? So my book is available on Amazon.com. You can either Google my name there, Jill Christensen, or the book title, If Not You Who. It's the first book that comes up in the search results. Also, my book launch party is on April 7th at the Four Seasons Hotel in Denver. It's from 4.30 to 7.30. I would like to invite any listeners to attend. There you go. Um, they just need to go to Eventbrite and sign up. You'll find my event there. And then also, um, I'm very active on social media. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Google+. Wow, what's your, um, what's your Twitter Twitter Author name. Jill C. Author Jill C on Twitter. Okay. Yes, and All on right. Facebook. And then my website is jillchristensenintl.com, but it's jillchristensenintl, 
Um, but we've been doing a lot with my SEO um, results and my search engine. So if you type in employee engagement expert, employee engagement speaker in Denver, you'll be able to find me in your Google results. That is wonderful. Here we go, folks. You ready for Rob's fast five questions? Am I ready? I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. Right. Uh, the first one is back in your college days, um, you you made a you made a little you made a little thing with a boyfriend or something back in the back in your college. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. It's a long, if it's a long answer, it's okay. So I um, had a boyfriend for four years in high school. Um, he was not going to college because his father was an, an executive at Electrolux. Okay. Feeding right into this book. What's Electrolux? It's a vacuum cleaning company. Oh, they suck. Based right. out of yeah, Chicago. They suck, yeah. Very expensive product. They, suck. they still suck, though. <laughs> so he didn't have to go to college because his dad was just going to get him right into the executive ranks of Electrolux, right. like a well, lot of executives did in those sure. days. And so I was going to college on the East Coast, so we brokered a deal that um, I was going to get a degree in radio and television broadcasting, come back to the Midwest, start in a small radio station, try to work my way up to Chicago. We would get married and ride off into the sunset together. So my first day of college um, was my birthday. And um, didn't know anyone in, had never even been to my college. My parents picked it out for me. Um, but my resident assistant on the hall got my entire um, Everyone on my hall to go out to a bar. Um, we all had fake IDs. Um, I went out that night and had the absolute time of my life. Good. I think I got home at five o'clock in the morning. Oh. And I got on the payphone in the hall at eight o'clock that morning and called him up. And I said, I have only been in college for 18 hours, but I can tell you I'm never, ever going to last four years. We need to break up right now. <laughs> 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 and I didn't cheat on you last night, but it's not too far off. Yeah. So, so I was supposed to make it four years, Rob. I made yeah. it 18 hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, just as... <laughs> wow, you naughty, naughty girl. Um, <laughs> if you could be any professional athlete, who would you be and why? Wow. Oh... I'm not just saying this because I'm in Denver. Yeah. I'm saying this because I wrote a leadership book. Okay. I would be Peyton Manning. All right. He, I think he is such a stand-up guy. Yeah. He knows his business like the back of his hand. He treats his, the people on his team with an amazing amount of respect. He hugs them. He does hug them. Yeah. He brings his head and his heart to the office every single day. Um, he's extraordinary at what he does. He's incredibly humble, very smart. And he respects his family's opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's an extraordinary role model, um, not only for people who like sports, but for business leaders, politicians, et cetera. He make, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert is carrot cake. Carrot cake, really? Yeah. And I love the carrot cake at the Palm. Oh. It's about... Not at, not at the Outback? No. Okay. It's about nine inches high, and it's like six mm. inches wide, and a slice costs $17, but it's, it's amazing. Yeah. We're always yeah. looking for sponsors. That's why. Um, no. Um, <laughs> we. Um, so is it because of cream cheese? I mean, there's a lot of cream yeah, cheese. Yeah, cream in cheese, yeah, nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's like seven layers. <laughs> Put that with a nice Chardonnay. Yeah. What's the What's the best movie you've seen in the past three months? I do not go to movies because no. I like reality. Oh, like The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that is an inside joke. It, it, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> team Jojo or Team Lauren? <laughs> team, team Jojo. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even oh, answering no. <laughs> that. Go, but Ben, I, go. But I, but I did see, yeah. I love the NFL, Yeah. and so I did go and see Concussion. Oh, yeah, it's a good movie. That was a, yeah. fa that was a fabulous movie. Will Smith was great. Yeah, in it. yeah. because it's, I felt like there was some sense of reality there. It's compelling, isn't it? Yeah, very. Yeah, very compelling. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it looks like the NFL has changed the way they treat the tree concussions, and it's moving forward, a but not, not enough. Not, not enough. enough. Not enough. But my favorite all-time movie is Rudy. Yeah. Good old Fabulous movie. movie. Yeah. Rudy. Yeah. Yeah, Rudy. Rudy's I, I love my sports. Wonderful movie. Yeah. And you know that scene where they put the, they, they, they say, he can, wear my, he can wear my jersey. He can wear, that never, I mean, that happened. I mean, the, all, the, all the kids said that Rudy could wear his jersey, but that scene was for Hollywood. But they did say that. I've also heard he's very difficult to get along with. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's a professional speaker. He's a professional speaker now, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was three. What, what, what makes you sad? Animal abuse. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Animal abuse. Yes. Animal abuse. I, I, I can't watch it. I can't yeah. see it. 
Um, so my greatest goal in life is to sell millions of books and yeah. have a successful business and start a foundation for animals. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, crap. My, my pets are in a velvet bag in my bedroom. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You should have known the answer uh, to that. Yeah. But I mean, pit bulls are terriers. They're a terrier breed. They're, they're a gentle breed. They're just... I absolutely believe the problem the with pit bulls way. is their owners. Yeah. It's the owners. Yeah. Yeah, it's the owners. Yep. Yeah. If, um, if you could go anywhere in the United States and stay for two days, where would you go? Alaska. Yeah? Yep. I've, I've been to 47 states. Yeah. So I only have a few left on my bucket list. I've got two left. Yeah, yeah I want to go to Denali National Park um, and see the bears catching salmon and see animals in the wild. Um, if you could be a, a pop star, who would you be? Taylor Swift. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. I think she's incredibly strong. Yeah. She's vocal. I think she's an extraordinary role model. She speaks up. I think she is going to do a lot, um, not that they need it, but for the younger generation um, in terms of them not putting up with things that they shouldn't put up with um, and to encourage them to have a voice. All right. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show, bringing this incredible audience here with you. Uh, we, we, we thank you. We thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Jill Christensen, folks, uh, don't forget her book is on Amazon, If Not You Who, Cracking the Code of Employment Disengagement. Check it out. It's good. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to last a long time. We're going to see a lot of her. She's going to be on a much bigger show than mine next year. I can guarantee you that. Of course, I couldn't do the show without my incredible crew and staff. They are outstanding. They keep the show going. They keep me up and going. They keep themselves up and going. And we just do it week in and week out every Wednesday night here at the Press Club. I want to thank Will, my director, producer, and great chief editor. He just does an outstanding job. I hope you like what you listen to. My IT director, he does a lot of editing as well with Will, Matt, and of course, Chantel, who does a lot of our uh, marketing work for us. Mancho from Cameroon, who does all our AV stuff for YouTube. And of course, our wonderful executive producer, Mariah Weiss, who keeps us all tame and, and together as a unit. And uh, we cannot do this without the Denver Press Club either. The Denver Press Club hosts us every week. I'm a proud member and uh, very happy that we are here every Wednesday. And I want to thank the staff. Carmen, the general manager. Bruce Goldberg, the president of the club. And of course, the staff here, Mark and Will. Uh, the best bartenders and cooks around. So if you are in the Denver metro area, come by and see us on Wednesdays. We'd love to see you. Listen, talk, love, and wake up with a purpose every day to do something good. And you just might be right down here with us in downtown Denver at the Denver Press Club as our topic of conversation. Thank you and good night.